BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing here on the Motor Racing Network. As always, my name is Chris Willner from the Concord, North Carolina studios and my trusty partner in crime, Kyle Ricky, out at Stafford Motor Speedway here today as we record this already midway, just about the midway point through the month of August, Kyle. Holy cow, where'd the year go? Uh, it's been crazy how fast we've busted through this 2022 season uh, still lots to talk about. we got a great show coming up with Landon Huffman, uh, who's currently leading the championship out at Hickory with three races to go in their unique playoff format, so we'll talk to yep. him about that. But Kyle, what's the word up from Stafford? Uh, another uh, race this past weekend. You've got another Friday night coming up this week. Uh, what's the vibe around uh, your neck of the woods? And, and you just kind of touched on it, and something we discussed uh, on the PA during our opening ceremonies last week is, Welcome to the second week of August. Where did June go? Where did July go? And now, you know, we're we're halfway through August and five races left of the season. Uh, I think five or five weeks left. We have a couple of one double header weekend with our Napa fall final. But other than that, uh, we're, we're getting set to button it up here for the winter. Um, hard to believe. Great race program last week with Keith Rocco picking up his second win in four events. Uh, the Open Modifieds are back this week, part of a six-division show with our other weekly five divisions in competition. So, um, yeah, the good thing is, we talked about this last week as well, the humidity is all but gone and the temperatures are down to like a comfortable 77, 78 degrees. So we'll take that. Yeah, we would take that too down here in North Carolina. Although, you know, honestly, today, uh, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, it's about 72 degrees. So I was a little cold walking into the building today, uh, which was a certain welcome sight. But uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, great lineup for you today. We've got, uh, of course, our debate segment that'll kind of tie into our guest with Landon Huffman, uh, who's going to be a great interview. This guy does everything uh, away from the racetrack when it comes to social media, iRacing. Uh, getting other people involved, uh, of driver at the forefront of grassroots racing, which for our show purposes is fantastic. So we're going to get to pick his brain coming up here in a little bit. But if, as always, we're going to start with our Coast to Coast Top 7. We'll rattle through these, Kyle, our Top 7 winners of the week. I'm going to kick it off with a driver who's probably had the best five- or six-day stretch of his career, and that's Evan Schottko, won the Motor Mountains at Jennerstown. He called the biggest night of his career and about four and a half days later goes up to Berlin in Jeff Striegel country and takes the battle at Berlin and $30,000 so Evan Schottko have yourself a week as he gets two big victories at his young career the 19 year old holding off Ty Majeski, El- uh, William Byron, Eric Jones you name it they were in the field at Berlin uh, winning two big races here this past week so Evan Schottko my number one coast to coast top seven Kyle who do you got for number two? Number two, uh, again, we saw a full house at Berlin. We also saw a full house at the North Wilkesboro Speedway. And they got to see Sammy Smith pick up the uh, super late model win at the North Wilkesboro Speedway over the weekend. Had a great field, 
the best in the business were there. Uh, a couple of guys that we found on the show already this year, finishing second and third with Hunter Robbins and Bubba Pollard. But a uh, great field of cars and a great uh, uh, for the second week in a row uh, with the Modifieds two weeks ago, the Supers last weekend. Uh, it was nice to see that front stretch grandstands full. Uh, hopefully that's a sign of, of things to come. Absolutely. And they're not done yet. End of this month here in a couple weeks, yep. the big Cars Tour event with Dale Earnhardt yep. Jr. So really cool to see the late model portion back at North Wilkesboro. And for Sammy Smith, again, anything he touches, uh, it's a race-winning machine. Him and Donnie Wilson uh, doing a heck of a job and obviously coming off that Redbud 400 win uh, several weeks ago. My number three, I'm going to go with Jonathan Schaefer and William Swalich both picking up Cars Tour wins out at a Speedway, that was a makeup event from a couple months ago. They had some pretty nasty weather. For Schaefer, first career late model stock win with the Cars Tour. Uh, an emotional victory lane, just learning uh, not too long ago his father having cancer, so dedicated the win to him. Super cool, and he led all 125 laps. Now for William Sawalich, well, that guy's pretty much been dominant all season long with the pro late models for the Cars Tour. He, uh, I don't think in three straight races, has not led a lap in any of those three events. So somebody's got to challenge William, but right now for William Swalich, that's third straight win uh, with the Pro Late Models leading every single lap. They're back in action August 27th out at Motor Mile. All right, Kyle, he got for number four. All right, well, you had two, so now I'm going to have two. Perfect. Uh, Burt Myers and Jonathan Brown, each picking up uh, wins this past week. Twin features at Bowman Gray Stadium. Uh, a couple of wild races, as is usually the case, actually a bit tamer than the last few weeks. Uh, Tim Brown continues to lead the championship standings now by nine over Brandon Ward. Uh, hard to believe it. We'll talk a little bit about it more in a bit, but uh, their championship night is this Saturday night at the stadium. That's coming up. I can't believe we're already talking championship night. Absolutely crazy. Uh, number five, I'm going to go with DJ Shaw. Uh, winning the final quote-unquote tune-up for the Oxford 250, their final event at the Oxford Plains Speedway before the big 250 coming up in a couple weeks, winning the pass event, and, and and this is a historical thing because if you look at last year, I think it was Curtis Clark who won this final tune-up goes on to win the big show. So Candy, Cassius Clark. Cassius Clark. Curtis Clark. There you go. Appreciate it. My memory is just it. a little bit faint today. I don't know why. Uh, but for Cassius, he was able to do the double. So we'll see what DJ can do. But obviously, that's got to mean some good mojo going into the 250 because that is one of the toughest events, one of the biggest events all year long, certainly going in there with a lot of momentum. So DJ Shaw will be one to watch. Number six, Kyle, who do we have? I'm going to swing it over to uh, one of our New England home tracks, and I'd like to spotlight Seacong Speedway. Dave Darling picking up the Pro Stock win. Dave, a uh, longtime competitor. In fact, his family uh, into the pro stock wars in New England for many, many decades now. Dave, a multi-time track champion, dominated the event last Saturday night for the pro stocks as they get ready for their big event at the end of the season. Held off another big name in Mark Jennison, uh, who was always strong when it comes to pro stock racing at the, uh, the third of a mile Massachusetts Oval. I almost said Rhode Island because it's right there <laughs> on the Rhode Island line. Um, but yeah, they had a big weekend last weekend, uh, their Friday night program, their Saturday night NASCAR program. And I was there for the monster trucks on Sunday. They filled the house uh, each night. So uh, good for Seacong Speedway and want to give a congratulations one more time to Dave. Good guy. And glad to see him back in victory lane. Monster trucks. That's pretty sweet. Uh, it takes me back to my childhood. We're going to wrap up our coast to coast top seven with my number seven winner of the week. And it is going to the young phenom, the 14 year old Brent Cruz 
one of seven now different first-time winners this year at Hickory Motor Speedway in the late models. Uh, held off our guest that's coming up on the flip side of the break, Landon Huffman, in the second of the Twin 40 events. But, man, I tell you what, anytime this kid's on the racetrack, we talk about him as a world karting champion. He's won uh, national midget races on dirt. He's won many micro events up here at uh, – at Millbridge Speedway, and then now he's kind of venturing into the pavement stuff with the late models as he continues to uh, progress his career. Kevin Harvick, Inc. has already signed him in his uh, management program. Uh, so keep an eye out for Brent Cruz, for sure. He's already won races as well at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, but picking up a big win at Hickory, his first at the racetrack. 12 different winners in 23 races out at Hickory. So if that says something about the parody of late model stock racing out at Hickory, well, there you go. So congratulations to Brent Cruz. As we now go to our shout-outs of the week, our honorable mentions. And it's always tough, Kyle, because we have to go across the entire country to find our honorable mentions. But I'm going to go ahead and, and stick with two. Uh, the first one, our CRA Street Stock winner, Mr. Brett Hudson. Anderson Speedway, they're getting ready to wrap up their season next week with a big championship night event. But he captured the four crown for the Street Stocks, their special kind of Midwest swing four crown, by one point. And that was courtesy of his win uh, this past weekend in the 100 lapper at Anderson. So talk about a narrow margin. Brett Anderson, uh, Brett Hudson holds on for that. And Tim Devos, his 100th feature win at Berlin. Now just three wins shy of the all-time track record holder. That being Bomb Seneker with 103. And so that came in the limited late model portion as part of the big battle at Berlin. So Jeff Striegel has some history on the line coming up in their final couple events of the season. We'll see if Tim Devos can snatch that all-time record. Kyle, who do you have on your shout-outs of the week this week? Well... Tim DeVos was one of mine yeah. because of the connection with Jeff Striegel and, of course. and Berlin Raceway uh, has done so well. And it was glad to see him pick up that win. For me, it was glad to see to pick up that win over the weekend. My other shout out, well, I stay close to home. You, you cross the country. I, I stay close to, to Stafford. Uh, you mentioned Hickory and all the different new winners they've had there this year. I think this next young lady might be the 12th new winner here at the Stafford Motor Speedway after coming so close a week ago in the SK Light Modifieds. Amanda West, who we featured on the show last year, uh, running her best SK Light season thus far, finished third, uh, came about a car length away from the win, only because the two cars in front of her were side by side at the checkered flag. She is now fourth in points in the field that gets over 30 cars every week. So, I uh, want to give a shout out to Amanda as uh, one of the ladies running well here in New England on a consistent basis. And uh, it was good to see her on the podium here at the track last uh, Friday night. Awesome job, Amanda. Awesome job to all of our winners and shout outs of the week here this week as we continue to roll on and start talking championships here as we near the end of the month of August. All right, before we get to Landon Huffman, who's standing by on the other side of the break, it is time to discuss our go or no go Debate topic of the week, and this, like I mentioned at the top of the show, ties directly into what Landon Huffman's trying to do, and that's win a championship out at Hickory Motor Speedway in their new playoff format. It, I was wondering how long it would take for the NASCAR playoff system on the Cup Series side and the Xfinity and Truck Series to trickle its way down to the grassroots racing levels. Well, it did this year in a way. It's the Hickory Motor Speedway playoff format. And Kyle, I'm going to ask you this. Is it go or no go? Do you like a playoff format to settle weekly, regular season championships at the grassroots levels? Is this helping the sport? What do you think? Uh, I don't know if it's helping the sport. I think it, every track promoter will have a different opinion. Um, but I think because we haven't seen it pop up in the last 10 years until now, 
I would be a no-go. Um, I just don't think it fits. I think it confuses race fans at this level. I think uh, it's a it's a different level, right? Um, we're, you hear about it in cup and Xfinity and truck. It's yeah, it's about the racing, but there's an entertainment factor there as well. Sure. Um, you want the entertainment factor at the local level, but I don't think it, there needs to be that much. Um, I, I like, Kyle. I like, I like 30, 40, 50 lap features without competition cautions. That's another debate for another day. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm all, I'm good with, with, not resetting the points at a certain part of the season and having so many qualified and straight up, let's go start. You know, like we say, um, at some of the tracks up here, the playoffs start the first race of the year. Kyle, there's one thing you said that I'll agree with, and that is the points reset, because I agree. You got to reward the drivers that are excelling. If you've got a giant championship lead, you should be rewarded at least something before this uh, points reset. So to kind of familiarize fans with what's going on at Hickory, you have to run at least eight races of their regular season program to qualify for the postseason playoffs. And then when the points get reset, everybody starts equal. But if you've won a race, that's two bonus points per per race you won or one bonus point for every pole that you've captured. So for Landon's case, he was reset back to equal playing field with those eight drivers or seven drivers in the playoff field but he was awarded four bonus points for his two wins and was able to start with 104. So I like this reset value. I like this entertainment value. I love the playoffs for the fact that it actually rewards race wins and it really puts a lot more pressure on those competing for a regular season championship. You know, in typical races, or typical local fashion, I should say, if you run most of the races all year, you're going to be at least in the top two of the championship. I mean, that's just kind of how it works because a lot of drivers don't run full seasons anymore. They chase the money, these big races, they travel the country. But this is going to reward those drivers for staying in it and and, and not just running but winning at the same time. But I also like it too because it gives an entertainment factor. It provides some drama that not only do you have to be good all year, you have to be good in these three or four races of your quote-unquote playoff postseason. So... For me as a fan, driver aside, for me as a fan, I think it's great. For me as a track, I think it's great because now you can hype this up. Now you've got different promotional avenues and different things you can do. But then obviously as a competitor standpoint, it still throws a little bit of pressure in there rather than just saying run all the races and you know what, you'll probably win the title. Uh, If not, you know, you'll be right there in contention for it. Uh, at the end, and it, and it changes up the game. You know, I think you see what NASCAR is doing on a national level, changing things up. Uh, when they introduced the playoff system, nobody really liked it. Well, I think it's been, you know, pretty much a home run since we've implemented it. Sure, you could tweak some things here and there, and I think NASCAR will from time to time, but their schedule's different. But here for local racing, it's time to to spice in things up. So I'm a full go for the playoff uh, format here for local racing. Be curious to see if anybody after this year takes on what Hickory Motor Speedway does going into 2023. So, I don't know. I like disagreeing with you, Kyle, and I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to go for it. See up here, you get you win, you get 50 points. Good for you. Here's the trophy. We'll see you next week. Do it again. Sure, and, and, and that's how it is during the week, but you know what? It's going to be okay. Now you get seated in a playoff. You want those races that you win? Yeah, you get some bonus points, but your, your points are reset, so you could still be rewarded for wins and have that bonus points which what Landon Huffman will talk about is what he has in chasing this championship. So it's not necessarily everybody starts at zero, 
but I like the fact that everybody who has dedicated their time to run the to run the full gamut of races has an opportunity to now race for a championship. What do you want to he say? Has a, he, he had a five-point lead going in the last week. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was, what, 200, which he earns. You know, he participated in every right. event. That's what I'm saying. The points reset, maybe we need to look at it because that is not rewarding those drivers that were able to dominate or be super consistent like Landon is and finishing all those times, finishing second or in the top three, and now that lead has shrunk. I I get that. I get that. But still, playoff format is fantastic, and I think it's going to provide a lot of entertainment. We're going to see it all action on flow here, especially as they kicked it off this past week, and we mentioned with Brent Cruz winning that second one, but we're going to have to see what happens the final three races, including a 75-lap double points championship finale uh, coming up September 17th. All right, my rant is over. Let's hear from the man himself chasing that championship. On the flip side of the break is Landon Huffman, the Huffman Racing, Huffman Racing driver going after the championship and trying to join his dad on the wall of champions out there at Hickory Motor Speedway. He's coming up next on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing here on the Motor Racing Network. Joining us is Mr. Landon Huffman, current points leader out at Hickory Motor Speedway, coming off uh, the playoff opener, really, uh, for a twin doubleheader. We had, what, a third-place finish, a second-place finish. Uh, How would you evaluate the kickoff to the playoffs? This is kind of something new we've had at Hickory, so what do you think so far? It was solid. I mean, I think we've been by far the most consistent car of the playoff group, you know, here over the last probably six to eight weeks really opened our points lead before the reset. So I knew going into it, you know, our car's been good. As long as you don't have any malfunctions and nothing, you know, dumb happens and we just make sure that we're prepared to go to the racetrack every week and don't get caught up in anything, we'll be okay. And we were, we were good. Felt like I probably should have won the second race. I got to the back of Brent Cruz and we had a really, really good battle. Uh, I got roughed up the week before, so I wanted to make sure that, you know, I wasn't going to, eat my words there. So we had a great battle and uh, he ended up prevailing, but it was good points day. We, we gained on everybody and extended the, what was a once big points lead, then small, we, we gained a little bit on it again. So not bad. You're one of seven drivers uh, that qualified for the playoffs. The first that we have seen at, at Hickory, and I don't think any other NASCAR short track has done something like this. So what goes through your mind as a regular competitor when this format comes out last off season and then you look it over and now we're a week in. Originally I was excited for it because I haven't ran a full season since man, probably 2015 was really the last year I'd ran full time in late mile sock competition. And really that was the first full year of late mile sock competition I'd had period. I ran 2014, but I didn't get to run all of the races. I ran the majority at Hickory. Um, we just never really had the money to do it. And 15, I gave it a run for the championship and it was a little controversial. I felt like we should have won it, but there was uh, some stuff I'm not going to get into that happened there. But as in the past, um, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. And then I had started spotting and uh, traveling with larger NASCAR circuit stuff and got away from racing um, every week. And now I'm kind of come back to my roots. I got to do some truck stuff and, you know, dabbled in ARCA and that type of thing uh, for a start here and there. And then got to come back this year or actually last year. And I ran some late model stuff, got to drive a couple of times for GMS, which was cool. And uh, just sort of get my feet wet in the local scene again. And 
at the time I didn't have the money to race full time, but I did have a little bit of sponsor money just from my local companies that have helped me throughout the years. And really the same companies that helped my dad back when he raced at Hickory kind of cool to still have that lineage going, but uh, Jason Smith is the guy I've been driving for. Uh, he actually has given me an opportunity to race the last probably five, six years in limited late mile competition, just here and there. Uh, I'd met him at the gym of all places and I got to be good friends with him. And, and then he's given me opportunity to race like that here and there, uh, you know, as one off stuff. And we decided to move this, move up from limited to late model with this program, won a couple of races last year. And then when the playoff format came out, we were like, well, man, this is, you know, if you only have to race 12 times all year to win the championship is a lot more economical, especially in our day and age when it just costs so much to race, even this year, even more expensive because of inflation. So uh, it was a good thing for us. Now, hindsight, you know, we uh, through my YouTube channel and the different ways I've been activating through social media, I've been able to find enough money to run all year. And we've also ran pretty good, even though we've had a few setbacks, but ended up opening a big points lead. And uh, so now it kind of sucks to see it a race, but all in all, I think it's a, it's a smart idea on Kevin Piercy's part uh, at the racetrack. I think in a time where the last two years he has struggled to get the champion, really, if you ran all the races, you won the championship and that's not how it should be. Um, they were just struggling with car count. And I know when I ran for the championship in 15, it was, you know, it was a lot more difficult. So coming back this year, kind of expected there not to be very many cars but the playoff deal really brought a lot of people in and we've had a great car count all year and then obviously you know at the end of the year now he's got seven drivers you know vying for a championship so it makes for uh good entertainment and you mentioned too you know i know struggling as far as season long car counts it's been a struggle but with this playoff format that rewards wins right it rewards polls it rewards those kind of stellar performances i mean how have you seen that evolve over the course of the season at hickory um and, and does it add more pressure i guess on these weekly races to go out and get wins because that's going to set you up like you mentioned for the championship i think it did originally but as the season progressed it was more about just staying consistent i kind of got into a battle with the state points championship too so that's been nice because we've had full fields majority of the time this year i think the lowest card count we've had has been 11 or 12 uh at the start of the first twin now last week we only had nine start the second twin because we had a wreck in the first twin but um to 12 has been the lowest car count total which you know the year before at hickory and there's a lot of tracks right now that are struggling even worse than that um, at a local level so there's been i would say probably three three-fourths of the time we've had at least 16 cars in the late model stock uh, division at hickory and so that's been good. But as far as pressure to win, I mean, naturally, whenever you get those bonus points, it makes you want to win. And I've been frustrated. I think I finished second like maybe eight times this year, seven, eight times, something like that. So that part sucked. Yeah. But uh, overall, I mean, it's hard to be upset whenever we're racing like we are on a low budget, you know, doing it the old school way. All my guys are volunteer and we're showing up and uh, competing against all these teams that are renting rides out and have a lot, a lot of money invested. But you we reward, the the, but you reward these guys with pockets and brews, right? I always see it on your social media. That's like <laughs> that is like a staple. If you go help out, or if you're at the racetrack with Huffman Racing, you're guaranteed a spot at pockets and brews, right? And I love, uh, I love hometown America, <laughs> like local hometown places like that, little dive bars, and they just opened one up here in Claremont, which is a two stoplight town, and uh, they were race fans, but they never really like interacted with Hickory that much. And I started going in there and. They ended up being all about it and they bought flow 
And uh, so now they watch flow every Saturday night and they have a, a nice little crowd that shows up to watch. And then we always go there after, after the race is good or bad. So it's been really cool. It's kind of given you that like sort of high school football hometown yeah. kind of thing, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see the support from the people around you whenever you uh, engage in your local community like that. Yeah, and I've seen the same type of stuff here uh, in Stafford with the short track in town here at the Stafford Motor Speedway. We mentioned car counts. You mentioned car counts a couple of times now. Um, we saw you post on social media, I think earlier this week, about Greenville Pickens. Um, is there anything that promoters down in your region of the country can do at this point, or is it just part of the economic times that we're living in? I think... One of the downfalls right now in our industry, especially at the grassroots level, is the lack of social media promotion. Uh, that more falls on the fan side of things. But, you know, the purses are down right now. To be honest, we don't race for much at Hickory either. So I'm not real sure why the car count has been better at Hickory other than it's Hickory and it has a little bit of prestige. But I mean, Greenville Pickens has prestige too. You know, these places in our local racing communities have prestige and people normally want to race, but the cost is so high. So I think it's also getting economically harder to find sponsors at a local level. And there's less people actively searching for them because rental deals have kind of come in and taken over our late model world for the most part, because it's, it's honestly almost impossible, practically impossible for, you know, your average Joe to go late model racing like it used to be. So I think the cost, the rising costs of late model racing, we have a lot of trickle down from the bigger series now. So the technology is getting better. And I think that's hurt the local scene a bit, but there's a combination of things. I mean, promoters need to promote uh, the front gate just as much as they do the back gate. I feel like there's a lot of price gouging at the back gate, sometimes at places, and then the purse sucks at places. And there's just a combination. If you don't have cars in the pits, there's not going to be fans in the stands. But if you don't promote the racetrack to get fans in the stands, then it's just a catch-22. I mean, there's just a lot of different things. I don't have the one answer. Um, I can tell you that money would help a lot in a lot of places, and that's just unfortunate truth. You know, somebody comes in with money. You look at a place like South Boston. They're owned by a group that has a lot more funding. Uh, than most short tracks and they're able to put up a good purse and they have great car counts and they have good fans. And that's just how it is. Now I can't attest to if South Boston's making money or not. I do know that they spend a lot more than most places, but the facility is nicer. So, you know, it's just a, I think it's a never ending battle. I think Langley Speedway does an excellent job at promotion. Um, Vaughn down there that is a, uh, been promoting i think he actually just this is his final year i believe i'm not sure don't quote me on that but he does an excellent job on social media so there's a lot of different factors i think i've been able to promote hickory a lot with my youtube channel this year i've had people come down from ohio alabama you know just all, all kinds of different places in the united states people from new york driving down to watch i mean they're coming to hickory of all places to watch so that to me that's really cool but I don't know. I don't have the one answer. I wish I did. Yeah. Why is that so important to you? I mean, obviously with your YouTube vlog and the stuff that you've done on iRacing and your streams, trying to get people involved in the sport, but also too, I mean, I know the whole My Track Challenge that Advanced Auto Parts does each and every year, you kind of created that, helped create that video that was really a, a almost a, a plea to, you know, have Hickory be a part of this and earn that $50,000 because I know that would go a long way for the racetrack, but why is it so important to you to kind of 
take that upon yourself and be like, hey, I got to help promote. I mean, I know you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but it's it seems kind of a personal thing too for you. Yeah, somebody's got to. And I think there's a lot of history lies in between those walls, not just for the people they're racing, but also the people that have been going there to watch for the last 30 years. I mean, my family grew up at Hickory Motor Speedway. My dad won two track championships there. My grandpa raced there. I've been going there for as long as I can remember. I've watched my dad race many times there in a goodies dash car. And I guess it's just something different when it comes to uh, family. And I think you also have, there's so many families at like the Hickory level and the Greenville Pickens too. I mean, there's all these different tracks. You got to think back, you know, and I, and I feel like I'm an old soul trapped in this generation. I always tell dad that, but um, I wish I could have experienced late mile stock racing in the eighties and nineties because it was such a different era of racing and you had, you know, new Asheville speedway where you had the Presley's and Jack Ingram and just all these different, um, I guess, Titans of their trade in these areas all over the Southeast. And we've kind of got away from that. And I feel like there is a niche market where we can get back to having local names that are staples at these tracks that bring in fans and people want to come watch. And I think there's a lot of like things that have affected the local scene, like through the lineage of NASCAR naturally. I mean, you used to have these guys like the Presley's where you started or, or Dennis Setzer or the Knipes, all these different names, the Houston's they started at a local level and were able to work their way through because it was less about money and more about the driver and marketability and things like that of the driver And it allowed fans to connect at a local level, watching them race at Hickory. And then they cheered for them as they advanced up the ranks. So there was more of a connect from the bottom to the top where now you have, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the rental deals. That's what's keeping our sport alive, especially at a local level, but you have people come in and they race Hickory for one year or, you know, six or seven times there and they're from California or something. Then they just move up the ranks. The fans don't care about that. Yeah, They have no connection to it. So um, it's about getting the families involved, and and I've just tried to keep that at my core value of promoting the racetrack is to see it do well, and you know we need a lot of renovations too. So, and that might go in with what I'm about to ask uh, the renovations part about you know the old days connecting the the Presleys of the world and the Dennis Setzers to Hickory, but also NASCAR's Bush Series. I mean, they heck they crowned the champion at Hickory Motor Speedway in 1992. I mean, there's a lot of talk about trying to get the trucks back to short tracks, trying to get the, the now Xfinity series back to short tracks. Would that be a help or have those series just simply outgrown a place like Hickory where it wouldn't be worth it? Like what we saw at Rockingham years ago, where you know they filled the place with 25,000 people and they still couldn't make it work. I think in the current state of NASCAR, it's got to happen. I mean, NASCAR, I think this year has been a very nice, fresh trend for NASCAR. I think they're headed in the right direction, but obviously, and I always said this kind of not as a joke, but I never thought it would happen, but just look at North Wilkesboro and its current state. I, my buddy, Dylan Wilson, his uh, grandpa's Dean Combs. They have a lot of connection to the racetrack. The Combs family at one point owned North Wilkesboro. So I got to go out there whenever it was at its worst point. And to walk in those walls and walk through the racetrack and just feel how eerie it felt, to me, it was the perfect representation of where our sport was at in its current state. Like, we outgrew everything, and then we got too big for our shoes, in my opinion. Then nobody wanted to go watch. Then we were in a weird limbo, and now 
they have to decide to go try to reinvest in the roots to get back what was once glorious versus try to continue to expand. And now that Wilkesboro is coming back, in my opinion, it's showing that we're reinvigorating that love for the grassroots side and people are going out and showing that. Do I think that the series outgrew the tracks? Yes, but it was an intentional outgrow. I mean, NASCAR, in my opinion, wanted that to happen because they were making money sure. and yep. And they went to markets where there was more money involved. You know, naturally, if you go to Las Vegas, you're going to make a lot more money than you go to Hickory, North Carolina. But I think there is a there is room for the short tracks to be reinserted into our top series. Maybe not the Cup Series necessarily, but definitely your grassroots series like the Truck Series and maybe even Xfinity here and there. But there's going to take it's going to take a lot of renovation. There's some tracks right now that could hold it. South Boston's one of them. Um, you could argue places like Dominion or Motor Mile could facilitate a race like that. Uh, Wilkesboro after the renovation will. Rockingham, there's no reason why we shouldn't be racing there. Uh, you've got places like Iowa that are sitting there that need to be you know brought back. But specifically in the southeast, there's a lot of racetracks that uh, need renovation. I mean, soft walls would have to be brought in. Uh, just restrooms and fan facilities and press boxes. All these things haven't been touched since the 80s because that was when the money was there. Yeah. You know, 80s and 90s, the money was there at these places, and, and then it just left. And when, I, when NASCAR left, these tracks just kind of set in time. They still raced, but there's been no if, – if an outside source didn't come in and push money into it, then no money was put into it. They just set. And so we've got to figure out how to – get some money back to these places so that they can renovate to be with the current times. And then maybe we can start bringing those, those series back in. Well, I don't know about Amen. you, Kyle. I'm ready to sign a petition, Landon Huffman for president. Maybe we can, you know, I'm get him you. to chair this whole train of, of, of invigorating thought and a revitalization of short track racing. Cause I've signed me up. I mean, you're, you're the man. I think politics may be in your future uh, to get back to racing though. I have to ask you about your dad, obviously, you know, racing's been in your family for, for generations. And I saw, you know, on your Twitter and your social media, it's kind of been, I want my name on the wall. What would it mean for you to join your dad on there? A two-time track champion, as you mentioned. I saw Dale Jr. wearing a Rob Huffman shirt on one of his podcast episodes. So obviously there's a lot of support there. But personally for you, what does this, you know, final three-week or three-event culmination, if you could win this championship, what would that mean to you personally? The NASCAR season is here, and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy in four tires to no-go racing fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. It's everything, man. I mean, that's I've honestly, as a kid, I dreamed of that. Like most people dream of making it to the cup series. Well, yeah, I wanted to be a professional race car driver, but 
the the main thing for me was to follow in my dad's footsteps. And the first logical step, in my opinion, is to have my name up there with him. And, you know, I tried once before, felt like it was kind of robbed from me. Now we're back to do it again. And I, I, it's hard to explain, but I know not just for me, but for my family, it would mean, you know, leaps and bounds and um, the work that we put in and the way we race, especially in our current time, it, it makes it mean that much more. Uh, Jason Smith, like I, I keep, I mentioned his name. Like I'm so thankful for him because I didn't have any late model equipment going back into this. So he's helped me. He's given me race cars to drive and we've been able to work on them here. I've gotten my dad involved again. So I've kind of reignited that passion that I had for local racing growing up with my dad and learning from him. And I got away from that naturally because I was trying to do the bigger things, but now I'm working one-on-one with him again. So it's more of a family thing. And, um, you know, I wouldn't trade the way we race for the world. I think it's taught me how to be a good race car driver, how to be smart. I respect the equipment. Um, I respect my guys. They show up every week for literally a pit pass and food (laughs) and, you know, they work their ass off for me and we have a blast. And I think that's, where a lot of people forget, um, or, or that, you know, the fun is lost in racing and a lot of it's because it costs so much money, but if you're not having fun, it's not worth it. So it would mean the world. Um, I just hope we can close it out and make it happen. Yeah. My final question for you is about closing it out. What's the schedule look like? And are you guys done? I think you are with the double headers because that has to be nerve wracking because you mentioned there were three cars that were involved in, in an incident in race one, the other night that weren't able to compete in race two. We have one more twin night. So next Saturday night is uh, we're off this Saturday, next Saturday's twin forties. I don't know how the car count will be. Um, It's a little nerve wracking because we always run good in the first race, but then you get thrown back in the pack and the inverts eight, nine or 10. If there's only 12 cars, that means that there's even slower cars up front. So that makes it even worse. You know, when you have 16, 18 cars, it's not as bad when you invert eight because the person who finished eight done something, right? Well, if you have 12 and two break and somebody finishes eighth or ninth or 10th, they were probably half second off or, you know, tenths off the pace and they get up there and they're not used to being up there and it's just chaos. But um, I'm confident. I mean, I think getting through that twin weeks big and then another wrench thrown in there is the Bobby Isaac Memorial. You know, it's 150 laps. Um, probably a lot bigger car count than our typical Saturday show. I mean, the Ingram, we had 30 cars, so I'm expecting 25 to 30 for the for the Bobby Isaac. So I think that race is imperative. You just got to make it through all the way to the end and survive and, you know, hope for a good finish. And then championship nights, double points. So there's, there's just gimmicks in there where it's just really tough, man. It's stressful. Um, I had almost a 200 point lead going into this reset and then, and people have raced all year. It's not like I was the only car, you know, we had five, six people that raced all year. So consistency was big then, but now it's bigger than ever. Yeah. No kidding. That's a lot of challenges. Um, before we let you go, I thought something that was super cool you kind of helped spearhead this year was this whole sim to reality thing uh, with your race team and, and the connections that you have in the iRacing world. Obviously, Moonhead is, is one of your closest friends. And for anybody that's watched Moon Car, you know what I'm talking about. It was so cool to see him get behind the wheel uh, of, of one of your, I think it was the Pro Late model. Uh, I know yeah. he may have an opportunity again, but Blake McCandle's got a test. You had Ray Alfalo, one of the winningest iRacers on the NASCAR Coca Cola series. What prompted all this and how rewarding has it been for you to kind of see some of these guys get an opportunity that aren't, you know, race car drivers by trade? 
it's something I've always wanted to do. I've, I've been involved in iRacing for a very long time. I took a break for years and then came back, but, you know, I was a member of the NASCAR, I guess back then it was iRacing Drivers World Championship when I was 15, 16 years old. Back then it only paid 10 grand. So dad told me I needed to get my ass, you know, out of the, out of my room, off the computer and out there work on my real car if mm-hmm. I ever wanted to do anything in racing. And now it pays 400,000. So yeah, you know, just one of those deals, yeah, no <laughs> but um, I've always respected the sim. I think that it's, it's a different type of race car. It's a different type of racing. Now, does it always translate? No, but if you can figure out how to race and be solid on the sim, I think that those core uh, talents and abilities will transfer maybe not all the time because some people just can't deal with the physical aspect or the, the, the environment when it comes to a race car. But I think most more times than not, if you take a sim racer, give them the proper coaching, put them in a late model or whatever you're putting them in and have someone that can effectively translate, help them translate what they learn on the sim and compare it to what happens in the real world. Most of the time it's going to click and they're going to do well. And I think that's one reason why it's easy for me to do that is I've been a, I've been a big part of both, right? I've, I've raced at the highest level of sim racing and then I've actively been in, you know, in NASCAR or, you know, in NASCAR local ranks my whole life. So I know the differences in the sim and the real car. And whenever they get in it, I can tell them exactly like, Hey, this is what this is going to be different. This is going to be the same. And Ray and Blake and Travis all done an excellent job. I think Ray is going to try to race here at some point. If it's not the end of this year, it's going to be early next year. Uh, Blake's wanting to do it again. Travis is racing the pro light model again um, on the Bobby Isaac night. So that's going to be cool. Uh, Carolina pros bringing them back because they canceled the Wilkesboro race. Yep. So I'm excited for him, Travis of all people, you know, he's, he's an absolute trip. He is a uh, excellent entertainer and I just threw him to the wolves at the pro uh, that pro race because we were, we had a lot of problems getting that thing ready. And I didn't even take him to test prior. I just threw him out there and practice. Oh, no. <laughs> and he, I told him that we're going in. I'm like, listen, man, yeah. this is how it's going to be. And he did great. I mean, we had a, uh, we had an electrical problem early in the day. We got it fixed. And then in the race, so I didn't tell Travis, you know, the oil pan's really close to the track in those things. So I didn't have a short oil pan. It wasn't going to hit, but I didn't tell him naturally thinking you know when he's out there in practice i didn't tell him to not drive it down across the real apron because there's like whoopty whoops down there yeah he just hooked the left and went across (laughs) bounced the oil pan off the ground and uh bounced a hole in it so he had to epoxy that back out and then he was doing great in the race and it uh rebusted the oil pan just stress fractured it so i told him i'm like we'll do it again don't worry i feel like i kind of I kind of put you in a bad spot there, but all in all, it's been an awesome experience. I, I love seeing them get in and have success. I think it justifies the sim. I know Dale Jr. is a big advocate of the sim, and I've been talking to Dale a lot here recently. He's a big advocate of short track racing. He has done an excellent job pushing people back to the local tracks. When he came out to the Jack Ingram, it was incredible the effect he had on Hickory Motor Speedway, just one person alone bringing that many people out and engaging with them, getting them to engage with the racetrack. It's excellent for short track racing, and I really hope that he continues to do so. He's racing at Wilkesboro coming up. So I was going to say, gonna be... are you going to go check that out? So I'm actually racing uh, I'm actually racing 
the limited portion, limited oh, okay. late model, portion, both uh, the 30th and the 31st. So I actually have a really cool announcement coming out for that. Uh, so be be on the lookout for that. It's actually probably one of the bigger announcements of my career. So that's going to be kind of cool. And you can't um, drop it right now, right here. <laughs> no, I can't. Normally, if it was my typical uh, Landon Huffman racing yeah. PR, I could just say whatever I wanted. But sure, sure. I've, got, I've got some cooler stuff in the works, finally. So awesome, pretty man. excited for it. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it, so stay tuned to that. And uh, best of luck on this hunt for a championship, but hopefully you just get to enjoy the ride and and, and appreciate it all. I know you do, and and maybe in the off season we'll, we'll have to team up and start figuring out a way to, to revitalize short track racing. Obviously, you said Dale Jr. has been big, so I don't know, maybe some big things to come uh, for 2023, but first things first, let's lock up that championship. Best of luck to you the last uh, couple races. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I, I can promise you one thing, if uh, we're setting – in the winner's circle, holding the championship trophy on September 17th. It's going to be one hell of a party, so uh, everyone's invited. <laughs> I was about to say, I may have to venture up that way, and we'll hit pockets and brute. We'll probably have to close that place down. We close it down every Saturday, <laughs> but I promise you that will be a different type of close it down. Maybe, maybe they'll even <laughs> extend their hours that night for you. Maybe I'm we can sure convince them. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Sure. All right, Landon Huffman, best of luck to you. On the next, or on the flip side of the break, I should say, on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing, we'll have... Our race week and calendar chock full with races this weekend, so stick around for that. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Awesome conversation. Landon Huffman, Kyle. I'm about to start being his marketing or his um, uh, campaign manager to get him for president because I think some of his, his ideas and you can hear the passion in his voice about grassroots racing and where it needs to be and the direction it should be going. Uh, I think he's basically made his national case here on Coast to Coast. Uh, he should lead this or at least be a part of the forum that helps make change. So what do you think? He, um, when his racing career is done and, and the, you know, his involvement in the mechanics of the sport might be uh, complete, he's going to make a great promoter oh. he's gonna, and he's going to end up somewhere. There are many tracks down, uh, in that region of the country that could use a really good promoter and, uh, whatever racetrack he can take command of, uh, it's going to shine 100%. and it's going to shine really bright. hundred percent. So Lanny, when you watch this back. You've been told, I think, promoting is in your future. Let's make it happen. Yes, indeed. All right, a couple news or a news bulletin to share before we get to our Go With The Flow Race Weekend calendar. We mentioned the Oxford 250 coming up in just a couple of weeks. Well, the night before the 250, uh, well, it's getting beefed up as mo- uh, even better now. Carson Hosevar, uh, we've seen him compete off the Camping World Truck Series path several times this year in the late model. He's signed up as well as Bubba Pollard to beef up the night before the 250 with the ACT Tour. So they're going to get some extra track time ahead of the big 250. Again, the biggest late model event up there at the Oxford 250 at Oxford Plain Speedway all year long. Uh, I'm excited to see what not, not only they do in the ACT Tour race, but obviously with the big 250 coming up. We mentioned DJ Shaw, maybe the guy to beat going into that weekend, but uh, kind of cool to have Carson Hosevar and, and Bubba Pollard enter their names in the prelude up to the 250. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and I like what Oxford is doing with the night before. In fact, I like a lot of what these tracks have done over the years with the night before, whatever big race. We see it with the Snowball Derby, with the Snowflake 100. Um, I think it all started with the night before the 500 at 
Indianapolis Raceway Park many, many, many years ago uh, with the midgets and the silver crown cars leading into the 500. Uh, but we see that on short tracks across the country uh, nights before their major event, something special happens. And uh, we're seeing that now with uh, with Oxford and 250 here in a couple weeks' time. Absolutely. All right, time for our Go With The Flow race weekend calendar before we get to what's happening coming up this weekend. Don't forget, yeah. we're recording the show as the uh, NASCAR Pinty Series is in action at Oshweekend Speedway. Stuart Friesen, who won a World of Outlaws sprint car race on the dirt track out there at Oshweekend, well, he's entered in this one as well, calls this probably the biggest race in Canada all year. So I'm excited to see who wins this one. Of course, we'll talk about it next week. And obviously, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, Thompson Motor Speedway on a Wednesday night. So as we watch, as you guys watch this on Thursday, you will know who have won. We don't know yet. Don't spoil it for us. We'll talk about it all <laughs> next week. I know, Kyle, you're planning on being out there, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, the track's 15 minutes from home, so yep. I'll be there. Uh, should be a great night. Good field of cars entered uh, once again. I believe we're approaching 30 for the NASCAR Modified. You mentioned the Pinty Series. Stuart Friesen, Christopher Bell entered in that race That's as right. well. Oh, go goodness. dirt racing. So uh, a lot of star power up there north of the border on the uh, the Oshweken Speedway dirt track. So gonna be gonna be fun to watch that here later tonight on Flow. That's right, and of course we'll talk about it next week. Now, what's coming up on the calendar as you watch this on a Thursday for this weekend? Well, if you like ARCA, you get a There's triple a of dose of it this weekend. A full slate, and it begins on Friday. At 6 p.m. on the Motor Racing Network, you can listen to it live from Watkins Glen International. Time to go left-handers and right-handers and flying through the bus stop. The Arkham Menards National Series with their uh, most recent winner, Nick Sanchez, boasting that points lead by seven over Raja Carruth and nine points over Daniel Dye as they go to the Finger Lakes region of New York. Kyle, I am excited to watch that race and listen to it on the Motor Racing Network. You're going to be there. I am. I'll give you a shout out from uh, Please turn, do. Turn, turn five or is it turn nine this year? We can never determine if the inner loop is turns five, six, seven and eight. And then they get into turn nine or if it's just the inner loop and then turn five. Did I confuse you? No, I mean, I think I've just okay. always called it the inner loop. I never actually yeah. called it by a turn number, honestly. OK, we have. And every year it's like, all right, what's turn five this year? Is it turn five or turn nine? So that's probably on Friday. Arca West in competition. We have not talked much about the Arca yeah. West series here in the last couple months. Uh, their last race was on July 2nd. Uh, they'll be at the Evergreen Speedway for the Napa Auto Parts 125 on Saturday evening. Uh, right now, a 45-point gap between Drew and Moore uh, atop the leaderboard. So um, Jake Drew has a comfortable point lead. It is the 1,000th series race for wow. the Arkham Menards West series. What started years ago is the Winston West series. Um, and it's gone over a couple of name changes uh, since then, back uh, when, when NASCAR sanctioned it. Now it falls under the Arkham banner. But big night for that series this Saturday on the West Coast. No kidding. And that'll be fun to watch as well. 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, though, on Flow, you can watch the Arkham West series in their event number 1,000. Now, to cap it all off, ARCA National Series, ARCA Menard Series, goes back two days after Watkins Glen on Sunday afternoon to the first dirt event of 2022. That is the Illinois State Fairgrounds, DuCoin, and the Springfield Mile. That should be an absolute blast when you talk about dirt racing in the ARCA Menard Series. We talk about you know some of the driver's preparations we've had on the show Raja Karut's been running a micro up at Millbridge Speedway to prepare. 
tons of other opportunities for some of these drivers to get dirt experience, but it's going to be put to the test on Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. You can watch that race on Flow as well. I I think dirt racing in any form is awesome, but watching these ARCA cars just be a handful has got to be something else to watch. And this is a weekend where the championship could be not necessarily won, but it could be lost. Um, yeah. 48 hours, two completely different disciplines of racing. Uh, Watkins Glen in upstate New York on, on Friday afternoon on a high-speed road course. 48 hours later, you're on a high-speed one-mile dirt oval uh, where you only run two dirt races a year. So um, going to be going to be an interesting weekend. We'll definitely be interesting to see how that nine-point gap among the top three looks in seven days' time. Absolutely. A fine line between aggression and, and, and really just survival uh, when we get to DeCoin. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch on Sunday. A couple uh, regional series to talk about, the Southern Super Series, Chris Motorsports Park. They're back at it after that uh, co-sanctioned event at North Wilkesboro Speedway. That is on Saturday. Also on Saturday, the ACC Tour at Montgomery. Uh, those races on Racing America. And then Flow Racing is your home for everything racing as it is all year long, but specifically this weekend, it all starts on Thursday, Thunder Road Speed Bowl, and then Friday, we mentioned Stafford with the mods and a ton other, Kyle. Yeah, the Lincoln Tech Open 80 for the Open Modifieds on Friday night. Uh, the event that I think I'm going to watch on Saturday before the West Race, and I think we're going to have time to do both, is the uh, the 150-lap modified finale at Booming Gray Stadium. We talked about it at the top of the show. Tim Brown, a very slim nine-point lead um, in the championship standings there. So, uh, we'll see what happens Saturday night. Uh, will Tim pick up yet another title? Uh, time will tell. Um, Burt Myers, very much a part of the mix, just picked up his first win of the season a couple of weeks ago. So I can't believe it's championship night yeah. already. Uh, Tommy Neal, Tommy Neal going after another sportsman title. He has a 26-point lead over Justin Taylor. So uh, it'll be fun to watch uh, one of many many events on flow racing on Saturday evening. No kidding. Also out there, Riverhead, we have the Dirt Silver Crowns, the Champ Cars, the USAC out at DuCoin in conjunction with ARCA the night before. You have Jennerstown, South Boston, Langley, the Idaho 208, a big one out at Meridian. So for our West Coast friends, the Idaho 208, Evergreen in action as well, plus much more, as Kyle mentioned. So flow racing, your place to watch. Uh, that's where I'll be locked into when I'm not uh, finishing wedding preps as I get set for my wedding next week. So I don't know, Kyle, if I don't see you next week because I'll be headed to Indy, this may be it until I'm a married man. Oh, that's creepy. Okay, I'm done. It is. It is. All right. Don't judge. You, I'm, I'm you're going to. No, never mind. Hold your tongue, Kyle. If you don't have anything nice to say, good. don't say it at all. For Kyle uh, Ricky, my name is Chris uh, Wilner. Thanks for tuning in to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. As always, we cannot wait to recap everything, including Bowman Gray Championship Night coming up next week on or on next week's show. And uh, we'll see you then. So enjoy your fantastic weekend of racing. Kyle, safe travels to Watkins Glen, and we'll see you next week.